0: The scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. To another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. This is the word of the Lord.
1: What I'd like to do today uh, from this passage is make three observations about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of a local congregation like like ACC, so three observations about the role of the Spirit in the church, and um, each observation I make will kind of add to or build on the one that precedes it, so my three thoughts are these. First, in the church, the Holy Spirit is at work. The Spirit is at work. Second thought is that in the church, the Spirit is at work through everyone. And then the third thought in the church, the Spirit is at work through everyone for a reason. So the Spirit is at work through everyone for a reason. So uh, the, the first thought is, uh, I, I hope, straightforward. In, in the church of Jesus Christ, God's Spirit is present. God's Spirit is active in, when we say church, I'm not talking about a building, I mean a community of brothers and sisters in the Lord that have united together as a body. The Spirit is present and active and living, and He's working, and this is so important for us to remember uh, because, well, if we're honest, we'll admit that, in, that, that a, a Christian church in many ways is, is uh, very similar to really any other human organization. I mean, just like a lot of other organizations, we have, a, we have a list of members, we have a set of bylaws, we have certain agreed-upon expectations of when we will schedule our events and how we will handle our, our finances and what we will do at our various gatherings. So in many ways, a church is no different than any other civic organization, all right? But in one way, a church is radically different than anything else that's happening in this world, and, and, and it's this. God's Spirit is here, present, active, living, moving, speaking, The Spirit of of, of God is here. And so for the Christians, for the Christians to whom the passage we're looking at today, for for the Christians for whom this was first written, this was a radically new experience for them. the portion of, of the Bible that uh, the Sabrina just read for us, this is part of a letter that the Apostle Paul um, wrote to a group of Christians who had been raised in a background of paganism. You see that referenced in verse 2. Verse 2 says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or, or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. So he's like just saying, you, you, you all remember, You remember how you grew up. Right in paganism, every every once in a while, your parents would drag you to that temple in the middle of the city, and you'd walk in this big building, and you'd see all these statues, these idols of of wood or stone, or or. And remember how every year you went, the statues were in exactly the same pose; like they never moved. The the facial expression was always the same. They they had eyes, but they couldn't see. They had hands, but they never moved. They had mouths, but they they never spoke. He said, "Remember, they were mute idols." So it's like your involvement there was just this, um, it was just this kind of meaningless performance of a cultural ritual. And he's saying to them, I want you to understand that in the church it's not like that. Not not at all. He says, when you come to the church of Jesus Christ, you are not coming to mute idols. You are coming to a living spirit who speaks and moves and acts. And so you notice in this passage. How many times is the word spirit there? Like 10 times, spirit, 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 spirit. The spirit is in the church. Earlier in, in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 3, here's what Paul wrote to them. He said, don't you know that you yourselves, as a community, you yourselves are God's temple. It's, it's not, God's temple is not a building. He's saying God's temple is a community. It's you. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. So, the first observation you make of this passage is that in the church, God's Spirit is at work. Now, in verse 3, the, the apostle points out a couple of things that are, that are worth noting when you think about the, the Spirit's work. And the first is, he tells us that we do not need to fear the Holy Spirit's work. That's, that's important for some of us. Um, so, sometimes when you come to church and somebody reads a passage that describes people speaking in tongues or doing miracles or, or prophesying. And then, and then the pastor stands up and says, I'm going to talk about the, the Holy Spirit today. Sometimes people get a little nervous. And I hope we don't get carried away with this. I, ho- I hope things don't get out of hand. I hope the pastor will put a lid on this Holy Spirit stuff right now before we, we, we get carried away. But what does the apostle say in verse 3? He says, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. In other words, he's saying if, if, you're, if you're nervous that if there's too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit in your church, you know, th- things, things are going to get out of hand, people are going to do bad things, he's just saying, would you please just relax, relax. You don't need to be afraid that if the Spirit is working bad things are going to happen. He, he, he never leads people to curse Jesus. He never leads people to do things that are, that are wrong or destructive. When the Spirit is at work, it's good. So don't fear. And so, some of you have read the New Testament. And you probably know this. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, He is always described as someone who only does Good things for God's people. He does good things. So he he is called, in John 14, he's called the spirit of truth. Would you agree that truth is a good thing? In, in, in Ephesians 1, he's called the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is a good thing. He's called the spirit of holiness. You want to see people grow in holiness. That's the, it's the Holy Spirit who does that. Romans 1 calls him the spirit of holiness. In, in, in Hebrews 10, he's called the, the spirit of grace. We all know how good God's grace is. Romans 8, he's the spirit who gives life. So he does good things. We don't need to fear. Never need to fear the work of the Holy Spirit. If you you read through the Bible, I'll tell you something. You will never, ever find a verse in the Bible that says, don't get carried away with too much of the Holy Spirit. You'll never read that. There, There is a verse, however, that says, do not quench the Spirit. There's a verse that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. There's a verse that says eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Did you know there's, a, there's actually a verse in, in Galatians 3, it says this, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So in, in the Scripture, again and again, you find encouragements from, from God's Word, encouraging us to seek the Spirit, to depend on the Spirit, to rejoice in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit. But, ne- but never once does the Bible say, "And just don't get carried away, right? never why i'll tell you why. because paul says here no one who's speaking by the spirit says jesus be cursed he he, so first his first thought is we don't need to fear the spirit's work the second thought he gives is we don't need to doubt the spirit's work now you know there are various streams in, in the in christianity various Christian traditions. And in some, in some Christian traditions, there's a lot more room given for spontaneity, right? And, and expressions of emotions are, 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 are often more open. And if you happen to come from that kind of tradition, you might once in a while walk into a church where, where things are just a little more structured, a little, little, little more reserved, and you might just say, oh, this church is dead. The Holy Spirit's not working here. I once had someone has said that to me as they were leaving our church. I don't see very many people lifting their hands. I see people with their hands at their sides. The Holy Spirit's not there, right? But, but, um, but again, what does Paul say in verse 3? He says, first, don't fear the Spirit. He says, I want you to know no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. But he goes on and he says, and no one can say, no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you find yourself with Christians who, from their heart, they say, Jesus is Lord. They love Jesus. They trust Jesus. They praise the name of Jesus. Listen, even if they're a little more quiet and reserved than you are, the Holy Spirit is working there. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. If they're worshiping Jesus, why? It's because God's Spirit is moving. Maybe he's moving quietly. Sometimes he might be moving more openly, but it's the Spirit at work. Don't fear Him and don't doubt Him. If Verse 4 through 6 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. So kind of the basic idea of the apostle in this, in this first paragraph here is he's saying, just, just don't, don't put the Spirit of God in a box. Alright, don't don't limit him because you're afraid that things might get carried away. Don't don't limit him that way, but don't also don't don't limit him because uh, because of your expectations, because you think he has to work a certain way. Just relax. Trust God. You're in the temple of the Spirit when you're in the church. The Spirit is at work. All right? So, first observation in, in the church, the Spirit's at work. Second is in the church, the Spirit is at work through everyone. The the Holy Spirit, as He works among the people of God, He does not limit His working to to just a select group of special people. In the church, He works through all of us. You you see that in verse 7, now to each one, To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Um, Different Bible translations will render that in different ways. One version says, something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. Just look around you today. Something of the Spirit can be seen in each person. Another Bible says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone. One translation says each believer has received a gift that manifests or makes known the Spirit's power and presence. He works through all. So it says here, starting at verse 7, now to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Has, any, has, has God ever given, just given you wisdom from someone else They had a perspective you needed to hear? To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit? Maybe your knowledge of God's Word has just increased through your interaction with some Christian brother or sister. They just, they just know the Word better. To another, faith by the same Spirit. We're all, we should all have faith, right? But you know how some people, you're around them, they just build up your faith. It's like they got faith to spare. You know, they have this, this gift. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To to still another, the interpretations of of tongues. Verse 11 says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. He distributes them to each one. Now, if you've you've read the Bible, you, you might realize that in the history of redemption, uh, what, what the apostles describing here, this is a radical, radical change in the way that God had been working. In, in the Old Testament, you do read of the Holy Spirit working in people in, in the Old Testament, but, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit would work, he would work um, on occasion, he would empower specific pe- certain people for specific tasks. And often that empowering, it would just be temporary. So that's how he might come upon a certain king or a certain prophet or or prophetess. He would just, from time to time, he would empower certain people. And, and you know, the average follower of God would never experience him working through them in that way. When the Spirit of God was poured out on the church in Acts chapter 2, that radically changed. He was, what was different about it is he was given to everyone, everyone. And so if you've read Acts 2, Peter trying to explain to everyone what was going on, he stood up and, and this is what he said. he said. He said, what you're seeing right now, he said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision, your old men will be dreams. See, he's saying, both men and women, both young and old. Then he goes on, both rich and rich and poor. He says, even on my servants, and and the Greek word there is for slaves, those who occupy the lowest rung on on the social ladder. He says, God says, even on them, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they will prophesy. This was just radically different. This is the age of God's grace we live in right now. His spirit is at work in and through all of us. Now, he does not give everyone the same gifting or empowering he doesn't work through everyone in the same way but he does listen he works through all of us all right so so that we can uh kind of exp- just demonstrate that i'm gonna um i'm gonna ask for a show of hands okay i'll just ask a series of questions and if this applies to you just slip up your hand all right so first question H- have you ever had god really help you through someone maybe they um Maybe they prayed for you, or they encouraged you, or they helped you, or they instructed you. Have you ever had God uh, help you through someone, and that person was not an ordained pastor? All right. Almost every hand here. Uh, Second question. Have you ever had someone, uh, God, really minister to you through someone and that person did not have much of a formal education. They didn't go to seminary, never went to college, never, anyone, they, you know, they're not very well formally educated, but wow, did God use them. All right, again, almost every hand. How, how about this? Has God ever, um, has God ever touched you or encouraged you or spoken to you through someone who was younger than you? They didn't have your years of experience, but boy, did God speak to you through them. Anyone here? Okay. How about one final question? How about someone older than you? White hair, wrinkles, they're completely out of touch with the modern world, but God has used them. I don't know why you're all staring at me right now. I take great offense at that, all right? But here's the point. The longer you hang out at church, you'll just raise your hands to questions like that all the time. All the time, all the time. Has God ever used? In fact, you'll come into the community of faith and you just kind of look around and you just you see. I I experience that when I come here, I see, I look at you, and I just again I'm reminded all the time she encouraged me, all the time he prayed for me, all the time that guy helped me blow the moving trap. Oh, oh, you know, the time she invited me to her home, the gift of hospitality. Just again and again, you'll see people and you realize the Spirit of God touched me through her, through him. He works. Through all of us, through everyone, all right, third observation in the church, the Spirit is at work through everyone, for a reason. You see that at the end of verse seven, verse seven says, "Now to each one the manifestation of, of the spirit is given for the common good. So the reason God chooses to let his spirit work through each one of us it's 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 not for our own personal benefit right and it's it's certainly not so that we can boast about how god used me and it's and it's not even kind of to give us a thrill it's so thrilling to have god use me no listen the reason the holy spirit empowers believers and gives them uh, what what the apostle here describes as spiritual gifts something to offer to others the reason he does that so that we will take what he's given us and we'll share it for, it's for the common good. One Christian scholar named Leon Morris, he wrote this. He said, spiritual gifts are always given to be used, and to be used in a way as to edify the whole body of believers, not some individual possessor of a gift. Now, if you, uh, if you read in the Bible, you'll realize that there are a lot of different A lot of different forms of God empowering people to serve others that are described. Different lists of spiritual gifts. You'll find here in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. There are various listings of of these. And here's what's interesting. None of the lists are, are the same. Sometimes there's some overlap. They're, 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 they're just different. So you get the sense as you read the New Testament that God is not giving us sort of one, one authorized exhaustive list of these are all and only the, the gifts. It's like every time the apostles write, they're just giving examples like, can I give you some examples of the way God works through people? And so you read of these different gifts. Here in this chapter, you read of uh, wisdom and knowledge and discernment and healing and prophecy and tongues. Other places, you'll, you'll read of gifts of administration. Did you know that's a gift? Gifts of encouragement, gifts of hospitality, the gift of teaching, the gift of helping, the, the gift of giving. There's just some people just so amazingly generous. Um, lots of different gifts. And, and very often, uh, a Christian will ask, well, how would I know... How would I know what gifts God has given me? That's a good question to ask. And the simple and the best answer to to finding uh, that that out is just just serve people in the body. When you see see needs, you see somebody's hurting, just just dive in and get involved and and, and start. And little by little, you'll begin to discover ways God really uses you. The others in the body will just affirm that. Like, what? Wow, do you realize that when you prayed pray for me last week, that prayer just carried me through the whole week. Hey, it was amazing. Or, or Did you, do you have any idea how much it meant when you invited me to your house for lunch? That day? Just, I, I've been so lonely lately. It's just like a gift of hospitality you have. Or, or, or you'll teach and people will affirm, I really learned from you. So the way to discover your gift is just start. Um, it's kind of like in Little League, all right? So at T-ball, when there's five-year-olds playing, they let every kid try every position on the field, right? Because you don't know who's a pitcher, who's a catcher. Just let them do everything. By the time they're playing high school baseball, you know who the pitcher is, right? You know who the catcher is, but you you just have to play every position. And then you start to figure out how God wants to use you. But the important thing, far more important than discovering your gift, is... uh, is serving others and letting the Spirit work you, use you. Just whatever He's given you, just be willing to give. So imagine, imagine that you are a, imagine you're a third grader and it's your birthday and your mom makes a bunch of cupcakes for you to take to school to share with your classmates to celebrate your birthday with you, all right? If instead of taking those cupcakes to school, you hide them in your bedroom and you eat them all yourself over the next few days, I, I don't think your mom would be happy with that, Right? And she said, what did you do? She said, but mommy, you gave them to me. And she said, yeah, I gave them to you to share with your friends, right? They were given to you, but they were not given for you. It's the same with, it's the, same with the work of the Spirit it, it, through your life. Gifts of the Spirit are given to you, but they're not given for you, right? They're, they're given for the common good. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, um, the Spirit is at work through everyone for this reason, for building all of us up, right? So, that, I think you, you could um, just infer from that that a good question for Christian men and women to be asking themselves frequently through their life of following Jesus is what am I doing to serve others in the body? What am I doing to encourage people? Am I praying for people? Am I helping out with with different tasks? What am I I doing to serve others so the Spirit can work through me? Now, (laughs) if you don't know Jesus, that might sound like just, oh my, what a, uh, I knew I would get roped into serving in the church if I came here today. It might just sound like a burden, but would you agree with me that if, that if you know Jesus being invited to serve, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily sound burdensome, does it? Why? Because isn't that what he did for us? I mean, didn't he just come to give everything away for us? In fact, Jesus said that. He kind of defined his whole mission. In John 10, verse 45, he defined it this way. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To go back to the silly metaphor I used before, it's kind of (laughs) like I've been given... From Jesus, an infinite supply of cupcakes. Man, it's not hard to share with you. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to share my life with you. The Son of God gave His life for me. And as we've been hearing through this service, He will never stop giving. He's such a generous God. If, if I, it, It's never like I'm going to run out. If I, if I give to others, no, there'll be nothing for me. He's just such a generous Savior. He gives and gives and gives. We heard before Sabrina read from John chapter 2. Remember at the wedding, they ran out of wine. Oh, what are we going to do? Jesus says, that's no problem for me. Just give me, give me some water. I'll turn it into wine. He just constantly gives. That's what he does for us. It, in fact, um, yeah, there's need for, listen, there's need for balance, there's need for rest in all of our lives. But what, what I've discovered is it, it, when you find Christians who just live courageously, live with faith, and they give of themselves to serve others, they say, oh, God, would you use me? Um, you, you get around them and there's this, this sense that God is continually pouring into their life, His grace, His power, His Spirit like the more they give to others, the more he gives to them. And if, if you understand what Jesus did for us, that is not surprising at all. What an amazing God we have. He loves us so much. He came to give everything for you and for me. So the Spirit's at work. Don't be afraid of that. And don't doubt that. You don't have to see amazing things. He's working quietly, Beautifully right here. And he's doing it through every one of us. Why? So that all of us are built up in the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray together. Thank you for, thank you for bringing us into your family. When you bring us to your son. We're not just out there on our own. You, you bring us into a community where you pour out your goodness and your, and your love and your spirit, and we're all here to receive it through each other and from each other. This is so amazing. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let us be open to that and, and willing for you to do that in us and through us and for us more and more as your spirit works in this church. We want to receive everything you have to give us. And we don't doubt that it's good because you gave us your Son. And we pray in His name. Amen.